0: It's time for another episode of the Laura Santo podcast, where we celebrate the world you see. And now your host, Laura Santo. welcome to another episode of the Laura Sanzo podcast. I am your host, Laura Sanzo, and I'm so excited. I'm actually sitting down with one of our guests from season one who actually had the most downloaded episode from our season one, Corinne M. Gilmore. So welcome back, Corinne. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Dude, my horn already. Let's
0: go. We're gonna. She's going to leave here with a big head, with a big ego, which is all right. So every episode we're looking at the world through our guest's eyes. So today we have the great pleasure of looking at the world through the eyes of this incredible, inspirational woman who has autism and she's gonna share a little bit about her story. So do you wanna, actually let me just introduce you properly. So Karen M. Gilmore is an RSP in Oakland, unified and soon to be graduate from the (laughs) University of the Pacific with her MA in education with specialization in special education. So yep, that's me. <laughs> welcome back. We are so excited to have you back. People just loved hearing your story. So, in addition to hearing Corinne's story again, we're going to talk really about this episode about college and unemployment within the world of autism. Because in Canada, 86% of adults with autism are unemployed. In the US, the figure is basically at the same before the pandemic. And only 1%, guys, listen to this, only 1% of autistic adults in the U.S. have a career. And I'm going to go on a limb and say that it's not much different in Canada because usually just kind of tails off each other in North America. 1%. Crazy to think yeah. that. So we're talking they have a career, a profession like lawyer or doctor or educator.
1: Or even stable. More autistic people actually like to be part-time employed. So that's kind of plays into that number as well. I actually learned that statistic when I told someone I was a teacher. And the guy looked at me and he was like, oh, wow, you're like the 1% then. And I was like, wait, what? And then it was like, it's actually what it started me doing, working with Autism Career Pathways, which is a nonprofit here in the United States that I'm a part of, trying to change these figures, change these numbers, and just really trying to like, it blew my mind just how lucky I am. And I didn't even realize it, you know, cause I've wanted to teach since I started college. And you know, now it's like, whoa, why am I so rare? <laughs> How do we fix this? How do we make more autistic people? How do we neurodiversify the workforce?
0: And that's going to be the intention of this with this episode is just really educating whether you're a parent or on the spectrum yourself or an employer. And, you know, you want to make your workforce more inclusive. You just don't know how. So we're going to cover that all today. Before we get into that, do you want to just share just a little bit about your journey for those unfortunate people that haven't had an opportunity to listen to your first episode? (laughs) <laughs> they're going to do after this they're going to go back and listen to thriving through an autism diagnosis but just give them a little glimpse into your journey before they have an opportunity to do that
1: well i was diagnosed young i was about eight they gave me the pre diagnosis at 18 months and then it wow. was services three years old i was officially diagnosed working with people i went to stars academy which is now closed worked through my journey was pretty much normal in school rsp program child until you know, high school when I started having big health issues and then went to programs. And I remember going into college, which is the other thing I can't wait to address, you know, is like how hard it was and yet how easy it was in a weird way application wise. And then you go into like, here I am today, you know, I'm graduating with a master's degree in education. When doctors used to tell my mom and dad when I was little, they're like, She's not going to ever be a functioning member of society. So I love proving all those doctors wrong. And that's, you know, one of many reasons I'm here. And really, I'm also getting married. So it's been kind of like I'm breaking all the norms, quote unquote, norms of autism. Right. We're not supposed to be good at social. I'm really I think I'm decent at social cues. You're amazing. (laughs) You know, I have. An amazing man in my life who supports me and most people are told like autistic people can't find love so i think that it's just my goal to keep breaking stereotypes (laughs) i
0: love that so you want to just start at at college because i can tell you as an autism mom my son is super young still he's in grade four i'm trying to make it through the day in that grade school high school is like somewhere on my radar but not really on my (laughs) radar because i'm like let's just get through elementary school so college I can't even fathom that as an autism mom. So, what would your message be to either an autism parent of an autism child, or even someone in high school that's, you know, in their here we have grade twelve. I don't know what grade. Yes, you guys we do in the states too. Yeah, child with autism or right, on the spectrum that's in high school right now. That's like.
1: <laughs> well, let me address the parent question first, right? Because parents lead the way and help the child on the spectrum. Firstly, deep breath. <laughs> it is scary Just, for any parent to go to college with their kids. It is a huge like development. And remember there are other options. So like the child may not go to college, that's fine. Let them go to a trade school. Let them, you know, go to, I know a few autistic people became amazing hairstylists. So yeah. really kind of be supportive of what your child wants to do and kind of guide them in the right direction. So remember that like, it doesn't always have to be college. I personally couldn't do beauty school. So, I did college (laughs) and I tried. I couldn't do it. And just kind of like being supportive, I would say, secondly, keep, if you're able to, their 504 plan or their IEPs. I know a lot of schools, especially in high school, try to push them out of the RSP programs. Keep them in there as much as you can. That was the one thing my parents did that really helped because when you have an IEP, especially or a 504 plan, and make sure you get those plans from your schools, you give those to the colleges and now they have to accommodate your child. So, it no longer becomes like, A fight as much as more of a the school within the school they have programs that usually help out with accommodations so making sure that you the school one has a solid resource program as a parent but college I know many beauty schools actually have great resource programs especially if you have an IEP for that one so it just kind of depends like doing your research and then you could do this with your child lead the way with them kind of like sit down and talk hey like look at this school look at this resource not every school has a resource and community college is another thing i started out at community college where they didn't even have a nurse (laughs) so i it was up in oregon and i changed the way on that one and now they have a nurse they have a whole program and i helped them make that so also remember that like using that empowering your child to be like this is how you accommodate so it all starts i think in middle school high school my students i have them come to iep meetings i have them talk about their disability i have them educated and learn how to advocate for what their needs and wants are in education. So that's what you can do right now with your children. doesn't matter their age, right? Then you go into college where I said, number one thing always is look, one, do they have a resource program? And two, is it a good one? Because people will talk. And then I always tell people, go tour schools. Even if it's a little trade school, even if it's a community college, go tour. You can feel the vibe of a school when you go tour it. Whether or not it's a virtual tour or in person is up to you, but highly recommend that. And then last but not least, definitely have to say like that paperwork, paper trail, it really is going to help. And for our children and people who are on the spectrum listening to this, it's okay to say you are autistic. I think it's the biggest thing I can't tell people enough. I mean, you have these written exams where they ask you to talk about yourself, talk about your autism. I and put a positive twist on it so like I always would say I'm autistic but that doesn't define me you know like that's a part of who I am and I'm proud of it but here's the other parts of me all strengths listed too so I think it's all in the way you present your autism and it is a positive thing I know a lot of people it's overwhelming you know but it is a part of who we are and colleges specifically actually have to have a certain number of disabled students on their campuses they get a lot of promo and bono for that. So I highly recommend that when you say that, you know, make it positive and you'll be surprised how many schools are going to want you more because it's your twist. You know, they call it a twist or that what, what makes you excellent. And for a lot of autistic people, we don't realize that twist, that awesomeness is our autism. Love so. that.
0: For you, for your transition from high school to college, I'm just curious, how was that in terms of the social aspect? Was it a huge transition or? Well, I did
1: college classes in high school. So that really helped. But it was a, I liked college more. I hated high school. So when I went to college and it was, I remember I was taking a sign language class and I was like, this is so cool. Now I was in a program. So it didn't actually allow me to go be as social as I would have liked. But oh, it was so much fun. I remember being like, I'm ready for college. It got me so excited just taking this little language class, you know, at a a local community college. I remember being like, I want to go to college now. People were nicer. They were curious. We were talking like, you know, on like this intellectual level. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because when I went to the community college in my local town, it was horrible. I was like, Oh God, it's high school all over again. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's why I said, if you feel the vibe of the school, like if you vibe well, it works well. So yeah, I absolutely say I think I know for like University of the Pacific where I graduated both with my master's and my bachelor's degree. They have social skill classes. So a lot of these schools actually offer ways to help you out. You know, there's social clubs. Highly recommend for freshmen going into being social clubs. Go into a dance club. Go into a theater club. Like it's just like high school in that way. They have clubs. They actually have more clubs in college. You know, I joined the LBGQ Plus on my campus. And it was just so much fun. I met drag queens for the first time in my life, you know. And so I think that really playing into those clubs and being social and kind of pushing. It was uncomfortable for me though, I won't lie. I was like, I don't want to go to clubs, but, and I mean like an actual like group, not like the club where you're dancing. Yeah. (laughs) But it was, it was really, I think, helpful. And then being social in classes, I think was the other best thing. I've met three of my best friends in a college class, just because we sat next to each other and sparked a random conversation. So for people who are autistic, who are so worried about social cues or being scripted, just be yourself. If you'll find people colleges are big enough where you'll find people who you just vibe with so I, just kind of be patient with yourself and vibe wait for the <laughs> vibing
0: you know you feel like after COVID, we're all going to need
1: social clubs <laughs>
0: to learn how to like socialize again
1: well and i was actually going to say that like this is kind of a bonus so like i remember i was sitting in one of my oh my god it was all my college classes and this girl was such a nightmare and this is pre-pandemic mind you and my friend i looked at my friend i was like I was the one who was supposed to mess up social cues, like what the hell, <laughs> and they started laughing. You know, so you find those people were like, they accept you for who you are, especially in college. And that's where I really found my best of friends was in college. You know, uh-huh. we were like, being real, I'm very snarky, you know, so I would make fun of the professors a lot. For example, I had one professor, we were in Western literature, and I would say, yeah. <laughs> so she started making me do that every class. And then I had a group of five of us at the end of class going, yeah. <laughs> Just be yourselves. A lot she, of professors. still so remembers that to this day. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. She did. It was funny. And to be upfront with you, I guess my other, my only warning is like, you're going to have professors who are good and you're going to have professors that are bad, which is why you need the supports. I've had professors not accommodate me appropriately. And my resource department at my college said, uh-uh. I mean, they went to war for me on a few of these professors. So. That's why I said having that resource department and that eliminates the fear of a bad professor. That makes sense. Because then I'm like, ah, oh, I don't have to do it. And my last bit of advice, sorry, before you start class or like the first day of class, go talk to your professor, reach out. And I know this is awkward. I actually had myself scripted for this one. Hi, my name is Corinne Weihurst. I Here's my disability. Here's the accommodations that work for me. <laughs> I'm going to keep in contact with you at all times because I know it's going to be confusing, but I want to let you know this. The other thing you could do is ask to meet with them in their office. A lot of the professors would be like, well, Corinne, I've heard about you now. I want to meet with you. So I had professors, you know, who, especially at UOP, they'd be like, hey, I know you, Corinne. You're going to need to talk to me. Let's meet in my office. And then it became like a good way to build a relationship and a rapport with professors. I mean, to the point where one made me guest lecture in her class now. So I think, like I said, it just kind of reaching out to professors is also a huge thing people are scared of doing, but you need to do because if they know what's going on and they still don't do it, now you also have more of a fight in a case. So it works out well in both ways.
0: I can imagine that it's
1: great for their development as well. And I wish you could do the same thing with employers, but you can't. And that's kind of <laughs> where like it sucks. Colleges are much better at accommodating than employment is.
0: <laughs> so let's go there. So let's talk a little bit about Autism Career Pathways because you guys do such incredible, incredible work. Do you want to just maybe talk to what you do in terms of your work with them?
1: Sure. Well, our mission statement is to provide easy access to resources, mentorship, and education for businesses and job seekers to involve recruitment, retention, and reward opportunities for neurodiverse hires for a mutually beneficial, meaningful, and sustainable employment for both the employer and the employee. What I really do at Autism and Career Pathways, we're a very new nonprofit. You know, last year we finally got status. We we're really excited. So we're still very much in the works, but our I basically, I'm charged more of the educational aspect. I work with, you know, colleges, I work with employers. We're kind of trying to figure out how best to accommodate and modify the workforce to people, you know, for example, just kind of like, what accommodations can we do in your workplace to help people out? Also more so on the mentorship, we just started a mentorship program. We also have like Macy who is incredible. Our founder is just doing like so many different events. I can't always keep track of them all <laughs> and just really like, amazing just stuff we're doing but yeah i'm more in charge of right now like outreach communication and really kind of getting the word out there that we exist and that we're here to help so my best advice is if you are a you know an autistic person having issues with employment etc please reach out to us at autism career pathways either on instagram or really through our website is the better way to go we want feedback we're trying to figure out how best to provide services for everyone and when i say services it's like mentorship program classes on how to Talk to your uh, co How do you put on different faces for different people? So how do you talk to your boss versus your colleague, you know? So really trying to, we take your feedback very seriously in what we do. So
0: let's say someone's going to listen to this. They're on the spectrum. They've just, you know, finished college or finished high school, or, you know, they're ready yeah. to get into the workforce. What would you say to them when they're going to say to themselves, where do I go from here? Because
1: it's no, a deep like- breath, right? <laughs> <laughs> or if you're doing always, lots of breaths. We <laughs> start with the deep breaths. Always. I mean, it You just go center yourself. And what do you want to do? Because you'll get pushed in a lot of different directions. So setting yourself up to succeed is number one. Like if you want to go be a hairstylist, look up. How do you do this? If you want to go be a teacher, which is what I did, look up how you go to do this and be real. Can you do it? I think so many times people are like, I would be a failure, you know, if I did da, da, it, da, da. and it's okay if you can't. When I first started school, I wanted to be a writer and an English teacher. Now I'm a speducator <laughs> and an autistic advocate, which I would have never thought would have happened had you asked me, especially at a high school. Oh yeah, no. I wanted to hide my autism and put it in a little box and never talk about it. So I think that, you know, knowing this is a journey for yourself is huge too, and that It's okay to change your mind. I always have a rule. I'm a rule autistic person. I like my rules that I give myself a month to really think about something. If I'm going to change it. So specifically on this one for school and for career. So I, when I changed from being an English degree to a speducator, I really thought about it. I was like, gave myself a month. I was teaching English at the time, by the way, and I realized. I was better at working with the disabled kids and I was case managing for five of them. I was like, well, if I'm really good at this case management stuff, why don't I go do that? So I think that also giving yourself work experience. If you're able to volunteer during college, if you're able to go practice in that workplace, do it. Night and day for me as a teacher, because I, when I was younger, I was like, I don't think I could be a teacher. And then once I was in a classroom, I loved it I was like, this is meant for me. So workability programs are really good at this. Or even just going and volunteering. I know a lot of people go volunteer at shelters. I know a couple of friends of mine who were able to like volunteer at a vet, you know, hospital because they really wanted to be vets. Two of them said, I can't do this. One of them was like, yes. So if it, you'll it'll feel right. And so I think that giving yourself work exposure is hugely helpful and having realistic expectations and knowing it's okay to fail. I said that a lot in the last episode with you. I think that we're really harsh on ourselves and have scripts for certain things. So like when I talk to my professor, there's my script. You know, I always make the joke whenever I do an interview now, it's like, hi, I'm current. my old sales pitch, let's go. But don't always be scripted because if you're over scripted, it really doesn't help. So I think that one thing I'd encourage parents to do is like, it's okay for kids to make mistakes. You know, I know a lot of parents who over script the children and then they're robotic. And so it's kind of like, take a deep breath. You know, as someone on the spectrum, it's okay if you mess up a social cue. All right, that sucked. move on that's how I deal with my own I've messed things up I'm far from perfect but I think that just making sure that you're like feeling yourself and getting to know yourself too so like you're only human you're gonna change you're gonna get to know yourself better and better our human brain does not stop developing till the age of 25 and so that's always something that helped me out in college when I learned that I was like wait what so I was like wait I can make all these mistakes I don't know myself really cuz my brain's not done developing So that was my little trick of the trade that helped me out. But yeah, I think that just researching it and then kind of just taking a leap of faith, you know, going to college, graduating high school, being an adult is taking leaps of faith. You don't always know. You can't plan for everything. But it's kind of like you can research as much as you can and then set yourself up to succeed. Have your resources. Always have people you can go to. Even if it's just one professor, you know who's going to have your back always have a place to go to when you need support so that even if you do kind of falter you have people who are going to pick you back up and i'll say like my friends and my there i had a lot of professors who were that those people for me and my fiance who would just pick me back up when i was like i can't do this this, is they'd pick me back up you know making sure you have good supports is huge
0: for someone that's gonna either like go through I've been such an entrepreneur for such a long time, I don't even know what there is, but like a help wanted listing or something like a digital help wanted listing. And it's going to apply to more like a traditional kind of job. At one point, would you suggest that they tell their employer that they have autism or developable needs or anything Well, that?
1: Well, that's a double-edged sword. So I would do that. And I would have employers say that because I was autistic, they would not hire me. So I think that it depends on what you're applying for. I think the first time I've ever told employers in the hiring process, I am autistic, was teaching. That's it. Every other job, I hit it. Every other job, I would mask it. Every other job, it was, you know, put on your neurotypical front. Don't ever let them know you're autistic, they're going to use it against you. So I think that it really depends on what you're doing and how you present it. So like in teaching, I'm like, I'm an autistic speducator, they're all like, sold, we need more of you. But yet, when I worked for Van Houston, I never told them I was disabled at all. Like, they didn't even like the point that I was in college, <laughs> let alone, like, disabled. So, sorry not to badmouth Van Houston. But, yeah, I think that it's really important to kind of, like, note that, like, you know, it depends on your employer. Some employers, it's not even that you're disabled that they don't like. They want you to have an open schedule. You know, especially, like, in retail, though, like, yeah. I would say the number one job my friends who are autistic do is stocking. They love it. They go into grocery stores, all these other places, and they stock the shelves. Highly recommend that job if you're one of those people who likes a schedule, who likes doing the same thing and doesn't want to talk to other people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I did security, for example. It was funny. I remember the uh, owner of the company was like, I didn't even know you were autistic the whole time, Corinne. I'm like, whoa. He's a deacon, and he was like, I would have hired you anyway. So it just kind of depends on who the place is. It's such a broad question. I have to be very upfront that there are some employers who do not they are biased. It's against the law. Yeah, they still do it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would say for me, what I would do is I usually didn't tell my employer and I just worked on myself. So I went to classes on how to talk with coworkers. I went to trainings on how to kind of work and cope with my autism and sadly mask it a lot of the time, which I still do mask a lot, but like masking it during a workplace. So
0: let's tackle masking. Yeah. <laughs> Since it, it just came up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm you, going you, all
1: over the board on these questions, no. everyone. She had her list and we just <laughs> destroyed the list. I
0: always have a list because I don't have a list then I'll just talk for five hours. So I have to have something that kind of leads me, but that's just, it's not even important to follow, but basking. you sound like you have a story or two.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So I remember I was working at a little diner like this, like a pizza place and I was working, like, they lied to me a lot, I was going to get hired, and the woman was like, we're too loud, so we can't work with you, and I was like, wait, what? And then I realized someone had told them I was autistic, Uh, and so it was not fun. But I do have to say, like, I know a lot of autistic advocates may not like me saying this, but I don't think masking is always necessarily bad. I think that we all have to do this, whether or not you're neurodiverse or not, neurotypical, uh, we all have to mask, and you know, there are certain societal standards we do have to follow. You know, like you have to be professional in your workplace. I can't be cussing and being like blah, 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 blah. You know, my sailor mouth cannot premiere in front of my students ever. <laughs> <laughs> These are just things that you know we do, and that I think are necessary. I also will say that, like for me, I'm empowered when I mask because I like hiding that I'm autistic, and then I'm, when I tell people, they're like, "Wait, what?" I'm like, "That's right, score." That's not everyone, and not everyone can mask, but I do think it's important to kind of. Note that there is a time and place for everything. I actually <laughs> funny story, so I remember my first year of teaching English and every time the students would leave, I our doors I locked my door and I would stim it out in class, like after all the kids left. I was like, Da-da-da! just crazy stimming it out, take a deep breath, I'd like, Okay, whew, round two. And then I would just <laughs> be able to do that. So you don't have to necessarily like I always call it like, be smart about it. So like I planned when I was going to stim, I planned it out to the T because it really helped calm me down and I would just, be, ah! you know? <laughs> but it helps. So I think that making sure like you can plan moments and time within your workplace to help you out as well. Every time I did security, my friend, I worked with my friend a lot. And so we just start clapping. At the end of a shift, I'd be so mad. And that was one of my stims that's not weird looking, so we just start clapping. Like, we did it, woo, round of applause. (laughs) So yeah, I think that just kind of planning out, my most, you know, thing was stimming. So it was just kind of like, you know, or I learned stims I could do that were publicly acceptable. So like I swayed, so I would sway a lot. Or I do little dances. My students call it Ms. W's happy dance. (laughs) Where I'd be so happy, I just, I would just start doing a little dance. I'm like, yay, and they're just like, love it. So I think that, you know, You can have a happy dance in a workplace. I actually did a lot during security and oh my God, people loved it. They're like, they dance with me. So like, and that's why I said, it just depends on where you work and, you know, your relationships you build, but also just you and how you present it. You know, I can sway back and forth. I know a lot of people who sway back and forth or they tap their feet. So kind of trying to find a way to make that stim, like I said, publicly acceptable helped me a lot during like all of my stressful moments at work. I mean, I can't go do a happy dance when I'm stressed, you know, a stressful situation and cringe just dancing doesn't work, though it did once during one of my meetings. I'm not going to lie. I couldn't hide it. And I just started dance. like I started doing my little my little side to side thing. And one of my friends was like, we're going to dance this stress out because I'm done with this. And then, we, yeah, my security eye boss loved it. He was like,
0: <laughs> but it's such a powerful lesson for anybody to really learn to redirect stress and like trauma and right. any low vibe emotions.
1: And that's kind of why I'm letting people, you know, on the spectrum specifically in this one know, like, it's okay. Like, just be smart when you're stimming at work, you know, like kind of try your best to like make it one that's publicly acceptable or have friends or people who know you at work. And that does take a while to build. But kind of like I said, that support system again, if I would have just been the only person dancing in a meeting, I could just see people looking at me weird. But it was thanks to my guy friend who was like, yeah, I was going to say, sorry, (laughs) friend." I have a lot of amazing friends, so, well, I don't want to say a lot, but the ones I have are like gold. (laughs) That's what you need. Yeah. I need my few gold buckets. So yeah, I think that just making sure like, you know, and making more opportunities, which I know is what Autism Care Pathways we're trying to do, you know, for classes on how to work, you know, with others, how to treat other people also is something I know is in the works. And I've seen that other nonprofits has really helped out you know, so for parents, there's a lot of uh, workability trainings you can find, highly recommend doing those. I, my parents didn't do that. I had to kind of learn on my own. It was harder, but for my friends who did do those, they found them really helpful. You know, just kind of having like a group of people talk about very literally like being able to be black and white and having a place to process out. How do I work with other people? How do I, you know, join the workforce and knowing that there's going to be a lot of rejection, I guess is the other thing. So you're The world is not a nice place. I bless the autistic advocates who want to change the world. I am more pessimistic. I don't think it's going to change. So I want to better help people live in the world we're in right now. So I think that just I've had to so many times walk out of a place where they told me I was a disease. And then after I just call people my support crime, you know, and that's what you do. So I think that I wish I could present this like picture of the workforce for autism, but it's not Most, like I said, the only, my career is the only place I've ever actually been able to come out and vocalize my autism. So I think that just making sure like, you know, talk to other people too, like as a parent, I would say for me, I really hid mine more and it did help because I was at least able to get into doors, but it's sad that I have to say that. So that's part of why my goal is to change that, but we got a long way to go. So yeah, I'm sorry for the world we're in, but it's the truth. It's not nice.
0: So let's talk from the perspective of employers. So employers gonna listen to this. And first of all, if you could just shed some light on the value of having an inclusive workforce and besides getting in touch with all the amazing people at Autism Career Pathways, what can they do to make their workforce more inclusive?
1: I think one of the things is like, find the right niche for people. So like I said, stocking shelves. So like if you have a company and you, there's actually this grocery store here in california like they asked us they asked me actually they're like can i get more autistic workers they're the best stocking shelves ever <laughs> so i think that like playing into the people's strengths as an employer is something you should always do whether or not they're neurotypical or neurodiverse playing into your employees strengths um i highly recommend uh, my father actually was a burger king franchisee here in oakland and he hired a few autistic people and he always he said they were good at Schedule. He's like, give them consistency. He's like, they were fantastic. Most of them were his line cooks, you know, because he's Burger King, you know, they have like the people who make the stuff. Yeah. So a lot of autistic people like, you know, consistency. Now there's others, you know, like Macy who likes doing little projects. She doesn't want consistency. I love consistency. Break my schedule. And I'm like, ah! so I think also remembering it's a spectrum. So talking to the person and allowing them a safe place to express that they're autistic. So instead of turning them away, work with them. I would highly recommend as well. So be like, okay, like as an owner, I remember I worked at this little cafe and the, I loved the owner. He was like, okay, he's like, so do you want a consistent schedule? Okay, we'll do that. One thing I will say that I always like doing when I talk to employers is just like have your own boundaries too, though. So like be very clear and concise. So you know, have a meeting with them and have it written out your expectations as well. This helps once again with neurotypical and neurodiverse people, you know, because it's like very clear. These are my expectations of you. This is when you need to get here. And don't assume. I've worked with places where I can't tell you how many times they just assume. Wouldn't they just know that? No. Assume, nothing. So write every expectation you can think of down. You will, you know, my favorite one is like one of the places you want business attire. Because she was like, they're good employees, but they're not dressing the part. And I was like, well, yeah, you didn't tell them. So just kind of having really clear you know, expectations of these employees is something you can do in time. You know, like, this is what I want. This is what I expect of you. And my dad always made the joke. He was like, I liked it. Cause then I'm like, well, when they didn't follow it, we can go back to that list and that thing too. So it does help the employer now, as well as the employee. You know, cause I've sadly seen, I have an experience of working with autistic people who are not doing what they're supposed to do, who made my life so bad that I almost quit teaching and that I'll never forget because I actually almost left autism autism career pathways because of this person. So I get it, there are some people out there who really, I feel like ruin it for a lot of us. But I decided that, that's where I became like, we need to set people up to succeed. So making sure as an employer, you're very clear. I think the number one thing is a list. Sounds weird, but just having a list of those expectations, having everything written out and having it as a verbal option so like, writing it out and then having people go to hear you talk about it and also providing a place for an employee to talk to you especially as a new hire i think is huge so yeah and they're all implementable you can tell i'm an rsp which is week three <laughs> accommodations and modifications for school which is why i do that a lot for some career pathways but yeah i think that just making sure that like clear and concise and never assuming you know what they say about assuming right so
0: and i just want to put this out there because i remember i had a conversation with macy who's the founder of autism career pathways a while ago, maybe even two years ago, way before COVID, and we had a conversation about entrepreneurs, and you know, it doesn't have to be an employer with like you know hundreds of employees that are making their work far more inclusive. It could just even be you know, an entrepreneur that has one or two people helping them, and the value of hiring somebody on the spectrum even to do graphics or being your visual assistant because you know they love the opportunity to be able to do things at their own pace. In their own environment, they love technology. So it's it's such a beautiful fit. So, this really is an opportunity for anybody really that has the ability of hiring to make a difference in this.
1: And remembering it's a spectrum too. So, you're going to have those super techie, techie people, and then you're going to have the really less techie people who are really artsy. So, I think that, like I said, playing into their strengths is a huge one. And I agree with you because I do know a lot of autistic people do like to work at their own pace. And then there's me who wants a schedule. So, you know remembering it as a spectrum and that's why i said as an employer having your expectations clearly aligned really helps too because then they can see as the employee will this job work for me will it fit you know and then you can also see the same thing as an employer so two-way street <laughs> Can you imagine if we reach a day
0: where we can open like a help wanted ad section and there'll be like a posting you know help wanted wanting a young girl on the spectrum to stock shelves or a young gentleman on the spectrum and we can actually reach that point, how incredible would that be? It would, and I
1: also feel like instant lawsuits because right now we live in a world where the job force is so competitive that like, you know, it's sad because like a lot of people are looking for jobs. And I think that's the other problem right now is we have so many people looking for jobs across the globe and not always enough sustainable jobs. Um, so the other thing Macy says is a lot of people, ACP research, we discovered like to be part-time. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, like I said, it's such a spectrum that it's so hard to answer vaguely, you know? So I always try to kind of be more vague in my answers and then the more specifics, you know, it's the best we can do. So yeah, it's, it's a big beast for anyone employment. And then you add the extra bonus of being autistic to it. And then you have to kind of figure out how to traverse an environment most people struggle with (laughs) it's not even just neurodiverse people but also neurotypical people you know so yeah
0: so let's talk about the pandemic for a second because you had just mentioned a good point the pandemic obviously have left a lot of people unemployed or you know with what's next kind of ideology and so the gap for autistic people that were employed before the pandemic was like we said in the beginning atrocious 90 percent that's like almost the entire autistic population. So imagine now where it's just, you know, every industry has been affected by the pandemic. So obviously they're not hiring at the same scale as they would have prior.
1: Yeah, but I'm just gonna say it's probably gotten worse. There are no official numbers out yet that I've been able to find or that Macy or anyone yet that I know has been able to find. I would say assume the worst in this one because it was already pretty bad. And something we've noticed is the pandemic has really shown the darker, uglier sides of society and a slew of reasons on a slew of issues. And so just kind of, you know, how do we fix this is kind of the monster beast question. I don't even know how to answer. You know, we have lots of people, whether or not, like I said, neurodiverse, neurotypical who need jobs right now. And I've been blessed to be able to keep my job as an educator throughout this pandemic and have multiple job offers after. So I think that also remembering like this is a spectrum of job right now, not just a spectrum of autism. You know, we have impoverished people in this country who have to work two to three jobs. I work two jobs myself. So I think that people, I keep hearing, you know, it's a great economy. I don't see it yet, because I guess for me, a good economy would be one person having one job, being able to live off that job. So I think that it's such a beast of trying to figure out how do we help everyone in this case? And how do we make sure that our autistic, our neurodiverse counterparts are not left behind, you know? Kind of the struggle.
0: I love that I see on Instagram a whole community of young adults on this spectrum. And we live in a time because of social media and technology and how that is such a thing that they're able to create income. It may not be necessarily like a full time income necessarily or equivalent to a profession, but enough income that, you know, they're part of their workforce by, you know, something like YouTube videos or. You know just showing up on social media Being a brand
1: yeah everyone wants to contribute to society everyone and i think that it's kind of the blessing and curse of social media is there are like this freedom to do all that you know being influencers and you know being advertisement that way so i do think that like you know our the world is literally changing on all of us you know a lot of jobs that were in person now are trying to see more virtual and i know a lot of autistic employees love virtual. I personally have my pros and cons on virtual for the same reasons I like it the same reasons I don't. You know being home all the time I like because like when I feel overstimmed I have my place I go to you know but yet I'm home all the time. (laughs) It's kind of this fun little like conundrum we're in so I think that something I would tell everyone on the spectrum and everyone in the world is like our world is shifting right now the world is really changing so making sure that like we're aware of that and I know right now autism career pathways we're trying to kind of ride that wave of shift like let's neurodiversify the workforce mm-hmm. not just racially just kind of remember that like if you don't know what's going on most of the world doesn't know either anymore so just kind of be extra patient to yourself And be like okay well you know who knows what's going to happen because I'm not alone I guess is what I'm trying to tell everyone like you're not alone I don't know teaching and education is going to be an interesting one, you know, going back into the classroom now. A lot of teachers are comparing schools right now to prisons because of how strict. I remember when I was at my school site, I had asked for paper and pencils for my students and had gotten rude responses and, you know, your desk is only so big. Why would you do that kind of thing? So I think that we're living in a very different world than pre-pandemic as well, which could be a good thing. So I think that we right now as a world and as countries can kind of dictate how we move forward. And what was working, what wasn't working. hmm. All of that. And just kind of making sure like, like I said, I, there's a lot of unknowns. So like wish I could tell everyone, like, we're going to diversify <laughs> the workforce. You know, it's going to be great. I don't know. This world's going crazy. You know, this pandemic really threw a lot of people off, slew of reasons. So just kind of like remember that <laughs> like, you're not alone we're all a little overwhelmed at what's been going on.
0: So So to that point, would you see an adult with ASD could be employed socially included
1: and happy? Yeah, I think that I feel like I am. I love my job. I love being an RSP. It's stressful, not always easy, but I am happy. I would say my principal is even happy and my new principal is happy. (laughs) And just kind of remembering that like, it's also in your frame of mind you know, we, at the end of the day, the only thing we can control is our own actions. So if I want to be happy, I have to set myself up to succeed. And I feel that way, whether or not you're autistic or not, that it is our job to be in charge of our own happiness and being proactive and being preventative and setting ourselves up to succeed, which means it's okay to fail. And you probably will fail. I can't tell you how many times i fail. But I think the important thing is, is just like at the end of the day, you know, happiness is up to us and that we get to be in control of that and ourselves that feeling you really can't control is you and your own so i love that it's such an important message for
0: regardless if you're on the spectrum or not that you That's have right. control to be a cause for your life so is there anything that you want to share with the community as we come to a close before we get into what's happening in terms of what's happening in autism career pathways just something for yourself that you want to share
1: i would say just Always remember, like, at the end of the day, like, it is your decision in your life. People are going to tell you a million different ways or reasons or things to do, but doing what you feel is right and what you feel is best, I highly recommend. And also remember that, like, as someone with autism, we're not going to be typical. We're not going to be quote unquote normal. We're going to be different. And it applies to all aspects of your life how you work, how you live, what college you go to, how you go to college, you know. And that is okay. Like Everyone is different. There's not one cookie cutter autistic person. So I think that it's important to just remember, like, be who you are. And it's hard, but you can do it. And you're not alone. And I can't say enough, just making sure you have your support system and not giving up on it. I know a lot of people are like, I can't make friends, I give up. And then you're kind of putting those energy and that vibe out there that you gave up. So just kind of, with yourself and give yourself some love. I'm still working on self-love, <laughs> yeah. I'm <We all? laughs> seven years old and I'm still like, what is this? Who, who am I? And just kind of, that's okay, you know, it's okay. And having goals, I can't say enough, goals are amazing. My goal was to graduate college with a teaching degree. It took me six years. You know, my bachelor degree took me six years. My master's degree took me three, which is outrageously short. <laughs> So just being okay with that and knowing it's a process and a journey too, you know, that like the whole four-year college graduation thing isn't applicable anymore for most people and that's okay, you know. And I guess my last bit is remember you can't plan for everything, which is something I definitely had to work through. I am a planaholic. I like my plans. I like my schedule and it's boom. So learning to lean into that discomfort, leaning into. The fear the unknown and just doing it even if you fail like fail i can't tell you how many times i failed <laughs> just bombed it and yet it made me stronger so i guess i would say like young adult autistic people need to learn how to just be accepting of their own failures more just yeah, fail. just feedback just fail even like i would completely bombed things i mean like oh god my like i did an interview for a workplace and i remember leaving there going i'm not getting that job <laughs> 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 And it's okay, you fail. I mean, I think that just remembering, like, I don't know, I accept failure as like a way to grow. So every time I fail, I'm like, well, I'm growing. Whether or not I like it is another story, but
0: I'm growing. <laughs> so, yeah. so, Autism Career Pathways, what can we expect in, over the next course of the rest of the year? If people want to get in touch, obviously, with either yourself or Macy and the incredible work yes. that you do.
1: Yes. So please contact Autism Career Pathways, get a hold of us. We're doing the best we can. Um, for actual events, we only have till May right now planned out. Macy is an amazing person who is doing 50,000 things at once. <laughs> so always keep an eye on our website. Our website has all of our stuff up to date, what we're doing, etc. Our two more recent events is going to be May 7th at 8pm PST time is Autistic Maker Spotlight with Caitlin Stamos on live Instagram. May 18th at 10am is PSR PST time. Is online classes on building autistic owned businesses, which is what you were talking about. She's amazing. Highly recommend the course. I heard a lot of people like it. And I know we've been doing parent teacher courses as well. More specifically, I'm working on the teacher ones. So sorry, guys. Sorry, I'm educator. It'll be a bit. But for the parent training courses, fantastic. I've heard good feedback from them. And then our ultimate goal is to have speech pathologist and teacher courses. So I know. Those are in the works right now and your feedback, you know, if you're a speech pathologist or a teacher letting us know also kind of helps us out. Like, is there a demand for this? I've talked to teachers. We have talked to speech pathologists, but having kind of more of that correlative data to kind of be like, look, we have like 30, you know, people emailing us. So highly recommend. And if you're able to, to please donate, we have a donations page. We can finally take donations. Yay! So. Uh, Laura, I will attach that in the link of this. But yeah, please make sure to like, you know, help us out as much as you can. Every bit helps. And yeah, I think that the website we have is the best place. You can also follow us on, um, oops, I almost said my own username, Autism Career Pathways on Instagram. I don't know if we have a Twitter account yet. I do know we have Instagram and Facebook. So feel free to follow us on those. And then for myself, I'm at Let's Talk About Autism. So the obvious name for who I am.
0: And if you haven't had an opportunity, I'm just going to circle back to what I mentioned in the beginning of the episode. If you haven't had an opportunity to listen to Corinne's first episode with us from season one called Thriving Through an Autism Diagnosis, you're going to want to listen to that. We spoke on that episode more just to a parents of children of, on the spectrum and younger children with autism. So this, that was kind of a leeway into what we spoke to today. So thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. It's always a pleasure. You're so amazing.
1: Thank you. Remember, everyone, rise above. We rise in this society. So, you know, rise yes. above the fire. Love <laughs> we that. We can do it.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.